Right, good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and my wife Sherry will be joining us. We're going to be continuing our Bible study tonight on the Believer's Authority, and that's by Andrew Womack. And so uh, we, we've actually taken quite a bit of a recess on this book for a lot of different reasons. Anyway, we're back in the saddle. We were doing this Bible study on Wednesday night, and we actually have moved it to Sunday night because we finished our prior book that we were doing originally on Sunday night. So that that uh, that that aside, we're going to be in chapter 16. If you have a book, you're following with us. Uh, the Believer's Authority will be in chapter 16 eventually. <coughs> Excuse me. Just so you know, in case you miss any of my Bible studies, all of our previous lessons. This is actually uh, lesson 29. We're in chapter 16, but this is lesson 29, and. Um, all the previous lessons are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And uh, we also want to say thank you to all those who have partnered with us with their tithes and with their offerings, and so we can uh, provide these Bible studies and whatnot to you. So, without further ado, I'm just going to we're just going to jump right into the Bible study tonight. Uh, again, like we're we're picking up where we left off on Wednesday night a few months ago. And uh, I know that's a little confusing to people, but we're doing Believer's Authority by Andrew Womack. We'll be in chapter 16 tonight, which is entitled, God Has Given You Power. And that's where we're going to pick up the study. You'll just have to look at our archives to catch up with us if this is your first time or you're jumping into this Bible study uh, midway with us. And so anyway, the lesson will be good all by itself, even if you miss stuff. And yeah, so anyway. Sure, you have anything to share? I just want to read a little bit on the blurb on the back. I know Dave said we're we're pretty much um, mid book, and you know we had taken uh, some time off. But you, if you have any questions or need to go back to our archives to review the the previous lessons, uh, our our website, um, we we can post that on on our our teaching in just a moment. But Andrew, Andrew's book, he has some uh, three points on the back of the book. I just want to reread uh, just to help us get back in gear on what uh, he's teaching. If believers have been given authority, then when, how, and toward what should it be exercised? Don't assume the answer. Discover the true battleground and learn how to recognize the real enemy. Most people believe God created our enemy, Satan, but did he? Understanding the answer will set you free to exercise your authority as a believer. Is spiritual warfare, as taught in many churches today, valid? Can believers use their authority to fight the devil and his demons in the air, or is the real battle in the mind? The answer is an important prerequisite to winning spiritual battles. And... Andrew goes all the way back to Genesis uh, when God created Adam and Eve to uh, show us where and how mankind was given authority and what that authority looked like. He explains how uh, sin came in and deceived them and stripped them of the power by stealing it from them, by deceiving them into giving it to them, and how God in his wonderful, masterful plan took back that authority through Jesus Christ, who became a man, who became our perfect sacrifice, and he took back 
our authority from the devil and gave it back to us. It's a pretty awesome story. And again, encourage you to go back into our archives so you can see the, the, the whole uh, Bible study, how Andrew lays it out. And if you don't have the book, it's called Believer's Authority by, by Andrew Womack. All right, so like I said, we're just going to jump right into the lesson. Uh, I'll just pick back one little footnote that I've said before. When I was introduced to Andrew Womack, this was the first book I was given to me back in 2009, somewhere in that neighborhood. Anyway, uh, but anyway, uh, let's, let's go ahead and jump right in. Go ahead and read that first little section, that first, uh, then my responsibility. God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Genesis 1, 27 and 28. The Lord blessed us and gave us the ability to procreate. He said to Adam and Eve, You be fruitful, you multiply, you replenish the earth. This power and authority God gave us came with responsibility. The Lord gave us the ability to create children. He didn't he doesn't send them to us via some stork. It's God's power that he set certain things in motion. So you can pray until you're blue in the face, but a woman isn't going to get pregnant until she has a relationship with a man. That's the way God intended this to operate and that's the way it works. If someone was just praying and praying and praying to be pregnant and have a child, yet they had no physical relationship with a man, we'd look at them and think, how dumb can you get and still breathe? Didn't anybody tell her the facts of life? Don't they understand how things work? Yet this is exactly what many Christians are doing in other areas of life. They are asking God for healing, but they aren't doing what the Word says. God's Word says to speak to your mountain. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Mark 11.23 That's one of God's laws. Yet people aren't doing what the word says, and they wonder, Why hasn't God healed me yet? That's just as foolish as a woman who prays constantly to get pregnant without having any relationship with a man, and then when nothing happens, says, why hasn't God given me a child yet? God gave us power and authority in this area. With this power and authority comes responsibility. I know a couple who had 12 kids. When I asked the husband, how many children are you going to have? He answered, if God wants us to have kids, we'll have kids. It's just totally up to God. There are certain forms of birth control that I don't advocate because in actuality they are abortion. But if nothing else, a little self-control would help. If you don't exercise some self-control in this area, thinking if it's God's will, we'll have children, but if it's not, we won't, then you're totally ignoring your responsibility. God blessed us and gave us power to procreate. If people never had children unless it was God's will, then prostitutes wouldn't get pregnant. If all children were just supernaturally ordained of God, unwed mothers wouldn't conceive. It's not God's will for people who aren't married to bear children. If God was directly controlling this aspect of our lives, he wouldn't let children be born addicted to drugs, 
to drugs or with HIV. God gave power to procreate to physical human beings, and if you cooperate with how he made this universe to function, you can create a child. All right, thank you, Sherry. So um, we're talking about, again, the believer's authority, and we're specifically in this chapter talking about God has given us power and also responsibility. Uh, you know, in previous lessons, I'm not going to recap everything, but uh, at the same point in time, we talked about what authority is, what authority is not. For example, a police officer. He knows what authority he has, what authority he doesn't. He knows the, he's uh, is sworn in to uh, keep the law of the land. That, that badge that he's wearing uh, gives, him the cost, gives him the jurisdiction to govern. For example, if he's a, a police officer in one city or state, he cannot be, be enforce the laws in another city or state. Excuse me. He can only he can't uh, enforce rules that are not part of that that constitution or ordinance, and he, he must um, keep the law of the laws that are within that constitution or ordinance. <coughs> so, you know, we have authority as believers. We have authority, and there's some things that God has told us to do, and if we don't do them then we're not using our authority in that area. God told us to go heal the sick. God, when God sent out, when Jesus sent out the 12 and he sent out the 70, he told them to go heal the sick. Now some of you might be reasoning, I can't heal anybody. Well, Jesus, then Jesus got it wrong. Because he told his disciples, you go heal the sick. He didn't say go pray for the sick. He said go heal the sick. There's a difference. And so how do we heal the sick? Because by the stripes we are healed. Jesus commissioned us to go lay hands on the sick, raise the dead, uh, um, cast out devils, freely receive, freely we give. And so we need to go do what Jesus told us to do. You know, if we never lay hands on someone to be well, then we can't ask, you know, I'm getting myself headed. I uh, like I'm just uh, chopping at the bit here. But, you know, there's some things that God has told us to do. He gave us the permissive authority to go and do it. In one sense, he's deputized us to go and do some things. You know, in a, in a certain county here in the U.S., a sheriff is going to have deputies. <coughs> kind of reminds me of some of the old westerns we used to watch. You know, he would deputize someone, and that deputy had to uphold the law and had to go do whatever the sheriff told him to go do within the jurisdiction of that town or that county. And so we need to, God has given us authority to go do some things. Heal the sick, raise the dead, preach the gospel. The angels are not permitted, are not given authority to preach the gospel. That's why the, the, the angel had to come to uh, Peter in a vision three times to send him to Cornelius to, to come preach the gospel. And, uh, and so my some of the points I'm trying to make is God's given us responsibilities. He told us to go heal the sick. And someone comes to you sick, don't pray for them to be healed. You heal them. You pray for them. You, you minister to them. You might have to minister the gospel to them first. You might have to explain how it works first. You know, Jesus in his ministry, he spent the majority of his time preaching the word and healing people. And a lot of times he preached the word before he healed them. I'm sure... We don't have all those messages, 
but I'm sure that Jesus taught about healing. And then he demonstrated it. You know, if someone doesn't have faith to be healed, well, where does faith come from? The Word of God. Then teach them the Word of God. Teach them the Word of God on healing. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Mark 16 says that they shall recover. We shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. There's some things that Jesus has commissioned us to do, given us authority to do, we need to go do it. We can't blame God for not healing someone when he told us to go do it. You know, many of us are praying for God to heal someone as if Jesus didn't accomplish anything at the cross. Jesus did not just forgive your sins at the cross. Jesus redeemed you from the curse. Galatians 3.13 Sickness is part of the curse. Sickness is part of the curse of the law. Sickness is part of the curse of the fall that Jesus redeemed us from. And we have authority to, in the name of Jesus because what he did, by his stripes, we were healed to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Does faith need to be involved? Yes. Well, where does faith come from? Where does God? So we might have to preach a little gospel to them. We might need to give them some word so they can have faith and then, then do. But faith without works is dead. So if you believe in healing, teach on healing, faith is born, then let's, go, let's do this. You know, we had a... Uh, uh, someone uh, at Bible college once, their father was having some problems with his eyesight, wasn't reading too well. His daughter was there watching us pray for him. And so we were praying that his eyesight could be, be better so he could read better, so he wouldn't need glasses. And so after we prayed for him to be healed, his father says, his father says well, let's put this to the test. Her dad, read this. Her, her, his daughter... Expected it to work. That's faith. And so, you know, we we talked about healing. We prayed for him to be healed. And then his daughter had the right answer. Well, Dad, we prayed for you to read. Let's read. Let's do it. If not, let's pray again. You know, let's, let's rebuke this blindness or whatever again. Let's do it again. And so, um... You know, that, that's just how the kingdom of God works, and how it's supposed to work. And so, um, God has given us power. He's given us authority. He's, and with that power comes responsibility. We have a responsibility, church, as the saints of God, to heal the sick. And we have a, we have a responsibility to preach the gospel. We have, preach, it's our responsibility to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And, you know, I can, I can so get into preaching right now. I know within this short amount of Bible study time, we try to keep it within an hour. I know we don't always have the time to, uh, to preach on how to heal or what that looks like, or, or how to use your authority. We talk about it a lot. Andrew's gone through it a lot in this book and in earlier studies that we did. But, but Dave and Andrew are right. God has given us authority, and he does tell us to go heal the sick. And this isn't, this isn't to put any, any of us down. 
You know, Andrew starts out explaining about the, the woman who's asking God, please, I want to get pregnant. I want to have a child. You know, heal me. Give me a child. But he puts in a physical fact that God created mankind to procreate. It takes a man and a woman, a sperm and a seed, that come together in the act of marriage to procreate and, and have a child. It is a natural uh, sowing and reaping, uh, planting a seed that God ordained from the beginning. Even in Genesis, when you read about creation, all of animal kind, all of plant kind, and I'm not using the scientific words for all of it, I'm just being as simple as I can be, each one has a seed, and from that seed creates more of that, whether it be an animal, a man, a plant. The, the plant, like if you have a tree that produces fruit or, or nuts, acorns are a good example for an oak tree. You know, you have a great big oak tree. It has acorns. They, the tree produces the acorns in its branches. They fall to the ground, they are planted, or maybe a squirrel eats it, and forgive me for being plain and blunt, poops it out, and that seed germinates in the ground, and you have more baby oak trees. A dog, we have a beagle, if she gets pregnant by another dog, she will have, that, that seed in her will have, a, she'll have a litter of puppies. Mankind, husband and wife, come together, seed is planted, a child is born. It is, like Dave likes to say, it's the natural facts of birds and bees. It's how God created life to be, that the whole seed time and harvest. And, it, and Andrew wasn't getting on the woman for praying wrong. He was trying to use it as an example of certain things have to take place. The whole point of the authority of the believer isn't for us to just sit back and say, God, do something. When if we read God's word, we realize that God has done something. He created mankind. He created the, the, or, the order of seed time and harvest. He created the natural laws like gravity he gave mankind, if you read in Genesis, the story of Adam and Eve, he gave them authority over the birds of the air, over the animals, over the ground. He, he said, this is the earth that I've created for you. You have authority to rule it and, and reign over it and to take care of it. In par, and part of that authority that he gave us we can read in the Gospels where he sent out the disciples uh, two by two, whether it be the 70 or the 12, and said, go preach the Gospel. The, the kingdom of God is here. Go heal the sick. He didn't say for them to pray for them to be healed, for God to do something. He said, go and heal the sick, like Dave was, was sharing. If we read the Gospels, we read Acts, the authority that God gave us, Part of that is to go heal the sick. If if you 
need a reference or a good tool under your belt regarding healing a good teaching uh, if you go on Karis uh, either our website or Karis Bible College where Andrew uh, he's the founder of that college they have healing school they also have a teaching on um, uh, mine just went blank. What's the teaching where they teach you how to go heal the sick and um, pray? Minister training? Uh, yeah, prayer minister's prayer training. Minister. Hello. There, there's my mind back. But they teach us because a lot of times, I mean, I didn't know how to pray for the sick. It says it in the Bible to go do it, but I didn't know how to do it. Um, but when I realized that as a believer, God gave me authority. He gave Dave authority. He gave every believer the same authority. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in us as a believer. It is not me on my own effort, my own power, healing the sick. It is Christ in me, that same Holy Spirit power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me as a believer, and that's the power that God gave us the authority to use. And just a side note, another tool in your belt, Dave was, uh, started to preach on it this morning in Philippians where it says to work out our own salvation. I thought he explained it really well because we read the verse and we're like, oh, we gotta work out our own salvation, but we don't finish Paul's thought and, and I can turn to it real quick, but Dave was, was sharing that it's the, the, the one verse says for us to work out our own salvation, but it doesn't end with a period after that thought. Paul, uh, Paul goes into, uh, sorry, I'm going the wrong direction. Paul goes into that it's God who, who works it out in us. Uh, here, let me read it for you. In Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And I wish Dave was uh, sharing about this because I, I appreciated how he said we're to work it out. It's not us working and striving for our salvation. It is the salvation that's in us because we believed that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that same salvation as that when you became a, a born-again believer, it is in you. It is in your spirit, man, your heart. And part of that salvation that's in you needs to be worked out so that it can be used in life. And I'm Hopefully I'm making sense because I feel like I'm chopping what Dave shared this morning. But he said it's God who works it out. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead that's in you, yes, God works it out. But we're partners with God. We have to uh, believe his word that he is at work in us. We, we have to be co- not co-conspirators. That is such the wrong word. Co-laborers. Thank you. We have to work together with God so what we believe, his word that's in us, the, Jesus Christ, his power, works out so that it is 
not just on the inside, but it's you know our daily life. It's you know preaching the gospel to someone. It is healing the sick by believing Christ in me, the hope of glory, and uh, sharing that with with the world. I really hope I'm making sense. I feel like I wasn't clear. I'll be spending more time on that passage uh, next Sunday. So. Uh, but I, I think my point is if we see the natural order of how God created plus how he gave us authority and we put those two together we can understand how and how to understand it uh, okay where was it the, the when how and what how it should be exercised uh, to towards, um, we will understand that, and we'll have so much more victory. You know, if you if you read or listen to all the healing stories that Andrew's ministry and other ministries share, you you'll realize that there there was authority in each of those healing testimonies. They believed the word of God. They worked it out from just not just knowing here and reading it. But like Dave said, faith comes by hearing. They heard the word. They received the word. They believed the word. And uh, and they were healed. So hope and hope I make sense. All right. Well, good stuff. Good stuff. I get thinking back on a lot of that. But I want to move forward. Uh, the next section here is we must cooperate. This, this builds on what we just talked about. Creation of human life is God's power, but he put it under our control. We have power and authority in this area. If you want the result, then you have to do the right things to cooperate with those laws of how to conceive and birth children. Most people understand this, and they would ridicule someone who thinks they can just pray for a child to appear. God doesn't just supernaturally drop children out of heaven. That's not how they come. Just praying and asking God to supernaturally drop healing, salvation, or revival from heaven is not how they come. There are spiritual laws that we must use our authority as human beings to cooperate with. If we don't step out in faith to cooperate with God in these areas, they won't come to pass. This is so simple that you'd have to have somebody help you to misunderstand it. Yet, we've had a lot of help. I've talked to many people who have asked, if God is really God, then he could have healed this person. Why did he let them die? God isn't like that. He doesn't just say, all right, you have, you have power to heal. You go out and heal the sick. Then if we aren't doing it because we don't know or because we're more dominated by unbelief than faith, God doesn't just look down and say, these people are never going to get the job done. Since they're not believing my word or doing it the way I said, I'm just going to heal this person anyway. That would violate his own integrity. God told us we have the power. We are to go out. We are to heal and to sit, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Matthew 10, 8. If we don't do our part, God isn't going to step in and do what he told us to do. No amount of begging or pleading will change that situation. We in the body of Christ need to discover what God has given to us. We need to find out what's under our authority and start using it the way God intended. Let's take our responsibility and lay aside our unbelief. Let's reject all these religious doctrines that absolve us of, uh, I'm sorry, 
Let's reject all these religious doctrines that absolve us of our responsibility and say, whatever will be, will be. It's just up to God who gets saved and healed. He does all things sovereignly. Let's stop backing out of our responsibility and placing the blame on God. He's not the one failing. It's us. So, you know, I like this idea. You know, we're talking about, first of all, our responsibility, but then we also need to cooperate. You know, there's just certain things that, I mean, this child, uh, having a child is a perfect example. You know, we're praying for a child. God's not going to just drop a child out of heaven. There needs to be some natural order of these births, okay? God's established how childbearing will happen. You know, we need to cooperate with God's word. We need to cooperate with how God, <coughs> how God has designed nature to work. God is, excuse me, God has established gravity. God established thermodynamics. Excuse me. God has established, uh, you know, childbearing and how that works. God has established gender. God has established everything. Can we have a miracle? Yes. But one miracle you're not going to have is a virgin birth. There was one virgin birth, and there will only be one virgin birth, and you're not going to have the second one. Okay? So that's not going to happen. Okay? There are some things. Are there some wrong prayers? Yes. Is there a wrong prayer for you to pray to get pregnant when you're not married and you're not having relations with uh, the, the opposite sex in the confines of marriage? Is that a wrong prayer? Absolutely. There are some prayers that are just wrong. I don't mean to burst your bubble, but some bubbles need to be burst. Okay? It's just uh, there are some wrong prayers. But there are some prayers where instead of asking God to do it, we need to go do it. <coughs> Maybe we need the faith to go do it. Maybe we need the courage to go do it. Maybe we need the know-how to go do it. You know, we're going to get into it if we get far enough uh, from uh, Deuteronomy. You know, praying for finances. God's given us the power to get wealth. Well, that, you know, some of us are praying for finances, but we, we're not willing to work a job. We're not willing to lift a finger. We're just, we're, like Andrew would say, we're sitting on the couch watching as the stomach turns. You know, we're not doing nothing. And so, uh, we, we, we need to work. At the same point in time, if we're working but we're not trusting God, we're trusting what we're doing, that's wrong too. It's based on the verse I read this morning from Jeremiah, we're trusting ourselves, we're cursed. Cursed is the one who trusts his man for his strength. God's our source, but we need to be busy. When Jesus said that we need to be, we need to occupy until he comes. There's work to do. We don't work to get our salvation, but now that we're saved, there's work to do. We need to work it out. We need to, it doesn't say work for your salvation with fear and trembling. It says work out your, your salvation with fear and trembling. You can't work something out you don't got. It doesn't, you know, you, uh, you know, what came first, the, ch <coughs> the chicken or the egg? You can't have an egg without a chicken. Okay? And so, and I, I know some people will argue about that. But God, I believe God created the chicken first. And he, he commanded every animal, every fowl of the earth, every uh, fish, every human, every insect, every tree, every plant to be fruitful and multiply. God commanded that. 
So, well, guess what? We got to get busy doing the right thing at the right time. With the, you know, animals don't understand marriage, and they, they don't, but we do, and we have rules for that. And that's how, otherwise, we just make a mess out of things. We create an Ishmael instead of an Isaac. You know, did Abraham try to help God out in creating the promised child? Yes, he did. He made a mess, and we still have that mess in the Middle East today. Okay? And so, um, but that's not what we're talking about. Okay? Well, did, well, did he get busy? He got busy doing the wrong thing. Okay? But at the same point in time, what does faith come from? The Word of God. Well, we're in the Word. We're going to know what to do. We're going to know. <coughs> There's a difference between faith and foolishness. Ishmael was foolish. It was just, it was born of the flesh. It wasn't born of the spirit. It wasn't born of promise. Some things are going to be a miracle. Okay. But um, hopefully I'm making sense. But we need to cooperate with our God. We need to cooperate with God. We're not just footloose doing our own thing. And we're also not just twiddling our thumbs, waiting for God to do something when he told us to go do it. There's a big difference there, okay? Now, some of us might need a little kind of nip in the bud, kind of like a working dog might nip some sheep to get corralled in the right direction. We might need some of that. We might need some, this is how you do it. We might need a voice behind you, this is the way, walk you in it. We might need some direction. Maybe, maybe we not haven't grown in a good home. Maybe we don't know the truth. Well, if you don't know the truth, you, you, uh, it's the truth that will set you free. But <coughs> Jesus said in John chapter 8, excuse me, you should know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So guess what we do? A plus B equals C. I learned that in geometry. Okay, I didn't learn much geometry, but I learned A plus B equals C. Okay, I've used that. I've used that phrase all my life, and so if if uh, now I lost my train of thought, but it's just uh, uh, you know, faith comes from hearing the word of God. And if I need to know the truth, you should know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If I want to be free, I need some truth. I need to know where to go get it. I need to spend some time in God's word, and then and then some of us spend time in God's word, but we don't ever exercise God's word. Read God's Word, be in God's Word, go to church, be in the Word. Now go do it. Go do what the Word says. Go heal the sick. Go raise the dead. Go cast out devils. Go work with your hands. Be blessed so you can give to those in need. Go be a blessing. Be blessed so you can be a blessing to all God's people. Work, let Him establish the work of your hands that He can fulfill His covenant on the earth. As he promised our forefathers. You know that God blessing you with wealth is keeping his covenant with there's a lot of I see a lot of stuff on Facebook of mocking those who are wealthy. You're mocking God's covenant. I understand riches can get someone's heart, but so can poverty. Poverty the the God of mammoth can work with someone who's in poverty as well as someone who's rich. It works both ways. Because the poor man's lusting for what he doesn't have. And the rich man sometimes is distracted by what he does have. Both are wrong. God is, it's okay to be blessed. It's okay, you know, we just celebrated this weekend our puppy's one year anniversary. Some people might argue, well, why didn't you use that money to the, the homeless or whatever? We have our, we have, you know, Jesus said, you will always have the poor with you. 
And there's a place for alms. So there's a place for tithes and offerings. There's a place for almsgiving. There's also a place for me, to, me as a husband to bless my wife. Our puppy is a gift that God bless us with. Our puppy is something me as a husband bless my wife who wanted a puppy badly. And to, to ditch my dog <laughs> by saying I shouldn't have a dog, and I'm hypothetically talking, I'm not talking about a real conversation, would be to ditch my dog, would be to ditch my wife, would also be to disrespect my God who blessed me, my Father who blessed me with a gift. There's a place to give. There's also a place also to receive what God has given us and be blessed in it. God has blessed us. You know, it doesn't bless me if I give you a gift and you just give it away or throw it away. That doesn't bless me. I might work hard to get the money to buy that thing for you, and now you just threw it away. <laughs> or, you know, now, but if I give it to you, it's yours, you can do what you want with it. If you want to give it away, that's fine. And that may, that may bless me too. You know, uh, with the right heart, with the right attitude. Nowhere are you going to find a scripture that we're supposed to be poor as a church mouse. Now, I'm getting off on, I need to get off this subject, but God's given us power and authority <coughs> to be a blessing. That doesn't mean we can't be blessed too. You can't bless others if you don't have blessings first yourself. You can't give something you don't have. Yes, is it more blessed to give than receive? Yes, but you can't give something you haven't first received. You can't give nothing. You know, you got to get it, you got to receive it and then give it. Can you enjoy some of it? Yes, absolutely. I mean, even tithing, the word, people get all caught up with that. The word tithe means tenth. That's what the word means. Are we under the law? No. Do we have to give 10%? No. I believe you should give whatever you on your heart. And people will quote Corinthians and say, I believe in the New Testament, you give whatever's on your heart. That's called a free will offering. I'm all for a free will offering. But do you know that a free will offering is also part of the law? Tithing was part of the law? So is a free will offering. So why are you picking and choosing which part of the law you want to, to obey? I don't obey the law to be righteous. I don't, obey the, I don't pay tithes as part of the law. Paying, tithing, paying, paying a tithe came before the law ever existed through Abraham. Abraham didn't have the tithe. He got the tithe. He chose the tithe. And the writer of Hebrews, and Hebrews says that tithing was in Abraham's loins before Aaron was ever born. Anyway, I, I, I need to get off this, this bandwagon. I'm getting sidetracked here. But we have power. Power to do and to cooperate with God's word. That means the work. That means I, I need to cooperate to be blessed so I can be a blessing. That means I need to cooperate with God's word to heal the sick. Cast out devils. That was raised to death. Some people will say, and Andrew has said many times, well, Andrew, I've never cast out any. I never raised anyone from the dead. His next question to you is going to be, how many dead people have you prayed for? Well, none. Well, of course, if you're, if you're not even trying, you're not going to do anything. Now, if you pray for 100 people and you haven't raised any dead, okay, we might have something to talk about. But if you have never prayed for one dead person to raise from the dead, you can't complain that you've never raised from the dead. From the dead. You never tried. That's foolish talk. Okay, that's just, I mean, that's, um, according to Andrew, how dumb can you be and still breathe? You know, that you can't, it doesn't work that way. But we need to start laying hands on the sick. We need to start raising the dead. We'll have revival. Why, do, why can we heal the sick? 
Are we God? No. But where's God? Where's Jesus? He's on the inside of us. We've been baptized in his name. Jesus is on the inside of us. Jesus, God said, it's to my Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. The kingdom of God is not here or there. The kingdom of God is within you. And a kingdom is where a king has dominion. And God has dominion in us and through us, his church. You know, there was something I posted this week on Facebook. Actually, I shared it. And let me just uh, find it real quick. You know, I'll find it in a fresh um, on my timeline. This came from Daniel Kalinda. He's an evangelist. <coughs> and he said, Jesus did not just die to get us into heaven. He died to get heaven into us and into the world through us. I want to say that again. Jesus did not die just to get us into heaven. He died to get heaven into us and into the world through us. Jesus died to get heaven in you so that heaven in you can go to the world. God wants to bring G God wants to bring God, his kingdom who's in you, wants to bring heaven to the world through Jesus Christ. Awesome. Anyway. Uh, I'll, I'll be quiet one moment, see what you have to say. No, I, I think it's just awesome and, and you know God's not getting on anybody for misunderstanding or believing the wrong thing or praying the wrong thing. Dave and I are getting, or Andrew, we're not getting on anyone. But we are trying to explain it so that we all as believers can cooperate uh, and be co-laborers with God and his word. God never said in his word, like Dave said, for us to sit back and be couch potatoes. He, God also didn't say, go and do it without me. God's word accomplished what he sent it out to do. God's word became flesh. His son, Jesus Christ, came, born of a virgin, came to die for us, and accomplished Jesus accomplished so much at the cross uh, wow it's not just that um, and this is very powerful to go so don't think I'm I'm belittling this at all God sent his son because he loved the entire world that in itself is a big deal but God doesn't do anything half-heartedly and his one sacrifice of his son at the cross accomplished more than just saving us to get to, to heaven. His death at the cross reconciled man to God. His death at the cross bought our salvation, uh, restored mankind, stopped the curse, I'm not saying that the curse isn't uh, around anymore. That I, I would have Dave preach on this so that we could all be, are very clear on it. But Jesus became the curse for us so that we are, as believers, could be free from the curse. I'll, I'll just keep it as simple as I can. Uh, he paid for our healing by the stripes on his back. He restored uh, 
the kingdom of God. He, he brought the kingdom of God to us. I mean, salvation, if you were just studying the word out, you, you can understand and realize what all it means. But Andrew's who, whole point of this book is that believers have been given a great gift, more than just salvation. It's, it's a way of life that the kingdom of God, living it out of us, like we were trying to explain earlier, the authority of the believer, we have a responsibility. As for any of you who are parents, you have a responsibility for your, your child to raise them in, uh, in the way of the Lord, to feed and clothe them, to keep them safe until they are old enough to be out on their own. Uh, we have a responsibility to teach them to be responsible adults when they, when they get there. Um, you know, both Dave and I, I work. We have a responsibility to do what our employer asks us. Um, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of things that we can use to piggyback on authority. And not one of us, Andrew, Dave, or I, is getting on anyone for praying wrong or for not using our authority correctly or, or being frustrated that it's just not working. Our whole point of this whole Bible study is to, to help us. Uh, one of Andrew's quotes that, that Dave and I quote a lot, especially to each other, is insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. When we, and, it, and this might not be a fault, it's just maybe how we're taught or how we understood, if we pray a certain way and we've been praying for 20, 50 years, and we're not seeing a result, and you know there, there's obviously something wrong because God told us to pray. He told us to believe. He told us to receive. And if we're not seeing that, you know Andrew's uh, other book of a better way to pray, he he goes into you know if it's not working, try this. I used to pray like this. You know, got revelation from God by being in the Word of God, and I realized I was praying wrong, so I started praying this way, and then I was getting a lot more results. And Andrew, in the book, isn't getting on anyone. And and please, the first time I read Andrew's Better Way to Pray, I actually didn't finish the book because I got offended, and that that was just me. I was the one in the wrong. I had to change my thinking and realize. God's not getting mad at me. Andrew's not getting mad at me. Dave's not getting mad at me. Mad at me. Um, but they're trying to help and teach me that there is a better way. to. Exp Andrew's whole point is for every believer to have a better life. We're not just to be on this earth to struggle through. Jesus came that we would have life and life more abundant. And we are to live out the kingdom of God. That quote from Daniel Quinda was awesome. You know, we are to have the, just live out the kingdom of God. And I don't have it memorized, so I can't quote it, quote it word for word. But none of these Bible studies, even if David said, I sound like we're correcting you, it's not to get on you. It's not to condemn you. It's, it's to 
lovingly share with you what we've learned so that we can help you not go down some paths that maybe we've gone down or struggled with. I struggled with prayer. I will be very honest, there were years I stopped praying altogether because I never saw a result and I was upset. God said, you said that we we're to pray, it's not working, I'm gonna stop. I mean, I might not have put it in those words as I was going through that season, but I misunderstood what prayer meant and I got frustrated it wasn't working. But when I realized and I was taught and I had revelation of the right way of doing it, I, I, I am seeing more results. Am I perfect? No. I'm not where Dave and Andrew are, um, but I'm better than I was. I, I'm better with my relationship with God. I'm better at being in the Word. I'm better at praying. All because I've realized that, like Dave said, it's the truth that you know that will set you free. Once I realized the truth and believed it, believed God's Word, and I heard God's Word, uh, you know, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. Amen, amen. How are we doing on time? Got eight minutes. Eight minutes. So, uh, let's go ahead and at least read this first section. I don't know if we'll finish. We might have to read this section again next week. Uh, power to get wealth. In the area of provision, God has given us power to get wealth. Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is to this day. Deuteronomy 8.18 Anytime God gives us power, he also gives us authority so we can release the power and use it. With this authority comes responsibility. This is why God doesn't give us money directly. The scripture doesn't say that God gives us money. He gave us power and anointing and ability to get wealth. First of all, God doesn't have money. He doesn't use money. In heaven, there is no currency of exchange. Neither does he make money. If you're praying, oh God, I need $100 or whatever, currency is that you need God doesn't have any of those bills and he's not going to counterfeit them either he's not going to make money and put it in your pocket the Bible says give and it shall be given unto you good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give unto your bosom Luke 6:38. since God doesn't have money directly since God doesn't have money directly, he sends it to you through people. God impresses other people, and people will be involved in getting you his supply. You know, there's a lot being said here, and we're almost out of time. We only have a little bit of time. This passage from Deuteronomy that I already quoted a minute ago. Um, I just want to read it again. Thou shalt remember the Lord of God, for it is he that gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers. Passage today. And then it goes on to say how God has given us power, but He's also given us uh, an anointing, an ability, of, and even a responsibility to use that power. And so, um, at the same point, time, Andrew does go off to, you know, God's not that guy to do counterfeit. He's not going to, He can't give you the power to get wealth. He's not going to necessarily, He doesn't have money. <coughs> and I do agree with this uh, where He says, uh, since God doesn't have money directly, he sends 
to you to people. God impresses other people, and people will get people will be involved in turning and giving you his supply. I believe that. I believe that God uses people primarily. At the same point in time, we have the story of Peter getting the, the coin out of the fish's mouth. Okay, but Peter had to do something. He had to go fishing. Okay, we do have uh, Jesus uh, twice. Peter uh, fish day increase uh, where one time it was launch out to deep, let down that nets for a catch, and so much that he and their partners both began to sink, and their nets began to break because they caught so much fish. Peter, that, he was a fisherman. That was his payday. That was like you getting the best client or the best job or the best sales of your job. That was a payday. Was it fish? There was other people. They had to go fishing. They had to do something. Gosh, you're now on the other side. He got a big payday. You know, three times Peter had to go fishing. He caught something of value. Before Jesus got involved, he caught nothing of value. He caught nothing. And so, you know, we had the loaves and the fish. That cut. The disciples were fighting. We don't have enough money to go buy food. In one sense, that was a free lunch. Okay? <coughs> you ever try to put on a buffet for 5,000 people? Okay, it's going to cost you a pretty, pretty penny. Okay, or peso, whatever uh, your currency is in your country. You know, God uses people primarily, but there are there are miracles. Okay? Now, that's saying God can't do it. He, God gives you the power to get wealth. That's not the only scripture. That is... <laughs> <coughs> I'm not countering what Andrew's saying. I, I'm agreeing with it. But at the same point in time, you know, we got the widow's oil. We have Elijah going to a place called there, and the ravens came and fed him. Um, we have examples where God met his people, their needs, supernaturally. Yet, Elijah had to go to a place called there. The widow had to get the jars. And however many jars she got, that's how much oil she got. To go pay her debts. Peter had to go fishing. Okay. They had to do something. It wasn't. God can do a miracle. And he did a miracle in all these instances I'm saying. But you got to do something. You got to put some action to that faith. You got to. Don't play it safe by being tethered to the dock. But let God drift in the direction that God's leading you, and God will give you the power to get well. If you've got to do a miracle along the way, he'll do a miracle. If you've got to, you know, I love the widow's story, the widow oil, because he took what she had and multiplied. He took Peter, what he knew what to do, go fish. He knew how to fish. Okay? Uh, he can use what you have. He can do, use your skills. <coughs> skills sound like Peter. Even the widow, well, she might not be able to do a lot. I don't know what her vocation was or if she even had a vocation. But she knew how to cook. She had wit she had oil. She, you know, um, she had enough friends to go get enough jars to go get enough oil. So she had enough oil to pay off her debts. Elijah was supposed to go to a place called there where he had to obey God and go there. Uh, there's many times where God met his people. needs. I mean... Uh, and not have to use people, but sometimes if he has to use a raven, a fish, uh, multiply oil, uh, you know, God can do a miracle. Don't limit God. Okay. But at the same point in time, God's not, I do agree, God's not the counterfeit money. You know, I've always thought, I've never seen this happen, you know, but if 
God can turn oil, water from, into wine? Can he change a brick to gold? I don't have any examples of that. I'm not saying he can't do that. But there's going to be a miracle and there's going to be something. Your faith needs to be applied to something. The widow had to obey the prophet's words. Um, you know, we even had the, the, the widow and her son to, with Elijah. And he said, give me your last meal. And then, but he also said, your, the, the, the flour and oil would never be empty. And it never was. And so, we need to trust God. We need to obey God. We need to do what he tells us to go do. If it's go fishing, go fishing. If it's go get a work, go go to work. If it means go work at McDonald's or somewhere, go work at McDonald's. Go do what Jesus, God, is telling you to go do. And he will give you the power to get wealth. Am I, am I making sense? Okay. There's not more than one way that it happens. There are some ways it's not going to happen, which I agree with Andrew. But I, at the same point in time, that you, you know, there, uh, I, one thing I love about these different miracles that I'm talking about, most of them are never done the same way twice that we know about in Scripture. Peter's about the only one that I know that's repeated. And even then, there's some different aspects to it. One time, he had to, he, he was already at shore. The other time, he said, casting that on the other side of the boat. So a little different scenario, but the principle is the same. Okay? He was fishing, and he had to do something with the net. He had to do something in response to what Jesus told him to do. Okay? The first time... Peter didn't even want to go. He was tired. He was discouraged. But he said, nevertheless, Lord, at your word, I'll let down the net. He did. And I mean, he, he had a fish story to tell when he got home to his wife. And he's like, yeah, Peter, I bet you had caught so much fish that the boat began to sink. Well, it was true. We're having fish for dinner. <laughs> yeah, so, but anyway, yes. And you know... I we just started this section, so we're just getting to introduce it and, and you know go over what Andrew sh shared so far. There's still more sections on it that we'll get to uh, the next time next week. But you know he goes into that this this power that God's talking about in Deuteronomy uh, that He gives us the power to get wealth. You know it has a really long definition but some of the words that I like from it um, the capacity the ability to get it it's not like Andrew saying that God's just going to you know drop have a bird drop money in your hand not that it could it happen but he's basically in my way of, of phrasing it that there's things he he puts in us to be able whether it be a, a skill set that we learned, um, it could be someone just knowing how to do something. You know, we have we have a lot of testimony that Dave and I've shared throughout the years of doing these Bible studies um, or just ministry in general. But you know, Dave shared you know that the season when we had five years without jobs, um, and we we lost everything we had nothing and how um in signing up for a bible college uh he had dropped me off 
uh, at my job that I just got and God said, go to Toys R Us. And Dave's like, I don't understand. I just, why God? But I will go because you said it. And because he did, the manager at that store who had worked with Dave in the, in the past in a, in a previous uh, place where we used to live, recognized Dave and said, hey, you know, where are you working? Oh, you don't have a job? Well, you do now. All because of Dave relying and listening to God and, and going in the direction God told him to go. We had a friend several years ago that um, had gone through a health issue, and so she had accumulated a lot of uh, hospital bills and debt and was just like, you know, God, how are we supposed to pay for this? And one of her hobbies was to make jewelry, just arts and crafts. She knew how, knew how to make jewelry. And so God used that, her ability to make this jewelry, to, uh, he gave her the ideas, the know-how, the, the craftsmanship, or whatever you want to call it, and just put planted the idea in her heart, hey, this is what I have at hand. I'm going to sell this jewelry. The idea came from God. And she paid all of her medical bills just by something that God planted in her heart. Hey, I gave you this ability and you can use it. And he, he blessed that ability, what she had in her hand. And, and we've had other testimonies of, of jobs. I mean, something that I learned from a different job, just a random out of the blue thing that uh, I <coughs> was able to do uh, at another job, got me my job that I have today. Um, I didn't know at the time, I didn't know years ago that this silly little thing that I, I learned would be a blessing and give me the job that I have today. God gave me that ability. He set everything in place that the, the, the people, like Andrew was, was sharing about, puts people in our lives. And, you know, it, it just is amazing how, how God can use stuff. But, you know, he, he gives us our abilities. He gives us our imagination. He plants ideas in us that, that know how to do jobs um, if we would just listen to him. You know, he, he wants to bless his people, but, but we have a responsibility. We, we have a part to play in, in all of this. And yes... We just started this. We can so go off on tangents on all of this. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be good. I encourage you to listen next week so that we can finish it up so you can see more of what Andrew is explaining and, and teaching on. But this is just, you know, some food for thought. You can think about it all week. You can reach out to us and ask questions on our website, and I'll um, put that on our uh, computer right now on our teaching so that it, it's out but um, I don't know if Dave has more to share. No, I think we're, I think we're done for the night so we'll, uh, we'll see you on Sunday, Sunday morning. Uh, we'll talk, still talk about the symptoms of a hard heart, uh, part three, and then we'll pick up our Bible study on Sunday night, next Sunday night uh, at the same time. So anyway, God bless you guys. Have a great week and we will see you 
uh, next Sunday.